Welcome to That Tattoo Show, hosted by me, Paul Talbot and Chris Harrison. Each month we sit down and discuss current tattoo topics, including how the internet, social media and technology in general have changed the challenges facing the modern day tattooists in an informal, down-to-earth way that's aimed at artists of all levels and abilities. That Tattoo Show is made possible with the support of Electrum Supply. Head over to www.electrumsupply.com and pick up some industry-leading tattoo products for your next tattoo. Welcome back, everybody, to your weekly tattoo chat. Stop interrupting me when I'm trying to do the fucking intro. Welcome back, everybody, to your weekly tattoo chat, that tattoo show. I'm Paul. Oh, that caught you, didn't you? See, he was trying to drink a cup of coffee then because he thought I was just going to get into it. So last week Hang on, on let the me show, finish. while let he's drinking finish. his coffee... No, I'm, let me finish. No, there's too much of a delay. I can't be bothered to listen to you. And I'm Chris, and we're here every Sunday, on Sunday, but filming it on Tuesday. That is the thing. That tattoo show, every Sunday, but filmed on Tuesday. Have you finished? Right, okay. Um, so last week, we were talking about conventions, and at the end of the show, I asked Chris... Chris? I Chris, asked Chris, Chris a convention. <laughs> you asked me a convention. Um, was that like, Chris? Yes. Tattoo jam? So the question I asked Chris was, so if you book a booth at a convention... How can you, if possible, be assured that it's actually going to run? And secondly, if you can't be assured of how it's going to run, is there any way you can uh, minimise the financial risk to yourself? Okay. And have you got any other advice for what happens when the convention don't run? Chris. So firstly... Can you be sure it'll run? The only way you could really be sure if a tattoo convention is going to happen is by travelling through time into the future to check. Unfortunately, time travel is only possible in one direction. So that that's that's off the cards straight away. Time travel is off the cards. The only other to essentially you can never tell if a convention is or isn't gonna happen. Maybe you could look into how long a convention's been going for, ask people if they've got a good reputation, they've been going for years, make sure there's you know you're not in a really dodgy situation like you know a lockdown or pandemic with a pandemic and everything so yeah you you can't really tell but like things you can do i think for minimizing or maximizing your kind of like safety of reassurance of going to a convention would be like first of all just pay a deposit yes good advice don't pay up front so pay your deposit make sure you pay your deposit with a credit card or with paypal if you can pay it like i did through PayPal with a credit card because you've got two layers of protection, you know. So that's one thing you can do. Good show. And, and then, yep. like I, I said this to Paul, it's like, like with PayPal, you've only got 180 days protection. So it's like a limit um, of 180 days before you can request a, re- request a refund. Um, also, certain credit cards as well. I don't know if it's the same with all of them, so check with your credit card people. Um, so some credit cards are limited to 18 months. So you've only got 18 months where you couldn't do a chargeback. So what I would say is if you're paying with PayPal, make sure that you don't pay in full until you're within that 180 day window. So say, for example, just to be on the safe side, like 170 days before the convention, if you want to pay in full, pay it then through PayPal. If things go tits up, you can request a refund. Um, and then do the same with the credit card. Pay as close to the convention as you can, um, and then just you you you're safe there, where you can create where you can request a chargeback 
Um, the only other thing I would say then is if, like, and this is just something I've learned from what's happened now, is if for any reason that convention does turn around to you and say, we're having to postpone it until a later date, get a refund straight away. Just because, like, you don't want to be, you know, especially if you're somebody that's putting, working a few conventions in a year and you're putting out a lot of money, if that happens to multiple shows, you've lost a lot of money. So just to protect yourself, just like it, it, the second they turn around and say, this is being postponed, we don't know when the dates are, get your money back and say, wicked, soon as you know, I'll, I'll pay down, I'll, no, I'll put money down again. So realistically, in I mean, all this sort of stuff, you don't know what's, you know, like Chris is saying, like you don't know what's coming up the track at you in the future. So you can never be... 100% assured but I think Chris is absolutely right check with other artists um, see how many years they've run the convention is it a convention in, in good standing Nipper's just turned up at the shop Chris will be really quiet now for a bit because he'll be all embarrassed about having no, to talk to a camera in front of anybody we had a mysterious package um, this is Nipper hello mate he's the one who uh, he's got 22 plug sockets in his room yeah fucking 22 plug sockets <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. I can't make my fingers do that. Thing. I can't hear you, Paul. He's got headphones in. Yeah, I know, mate. Don't worry about it. You know. <laughs> said, yeah, I know, mate. <laughs> no, so we had a uh, off talk. Sorry, off talk topic, but, right, but we had a mysterious package today. Okay. Uh, somebody has delivered a package to our studio, and the name on it is Bridgent Tattoo Studio. Bridgent Tattoo. Bridgent Tattoo Studios, and it's like some fucking random book. Nippers come down to check on that. I think he's going to make sure his room is still there. Yeah. Count the Ready plug sockets. Back to work <laughs> yeah. This, yes, there still is 22 plug sockets in my room. Maybe I need a 23rd and a 24th plug socket. I'm still only using two of them. Hey, do you fucking said then? What was that? He said, I, I'm still only using two of them. <laughs> the saga Fuck. of these plug sockets has been going on for every just about every conversation I've had with Chris over about the last two months. Oh, it's yeah. really funny. Return of the plugs. Lord of the plug sockets. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, so what was you saying? Uh, speaking to other artists and finding out, you know, is it a convention in good standing? Is it well run? Yeah. You know, are the guys decent? Now, this is one where, you know, obviously last week I was talking about the Skin Deep shows and one of the things that I would say about their, their shows is that every one of them that I've worked, right, and I only worked a few of their shows, but every one that I worked was well organised, it was well put together, you got everything that you paid for, you, you know, you got exactly... Really well organised. The, the booth never changed size, no. it was always like, that's your booth, there's your plug socket, there's a roll of paper towel, a bottle of water and some cling film. And, you know, the one thing that I would say about them is that on that side of things the conventions were very well organised you know they were professionally run events they were done properly do you know what I've got another little bit of advice go on in. What do you know what and, and, and it's fucked up that we should even have to go to this extent if you really really want to fucking check if a convention is legitimate is type that convention's name into company's house and just see if there are multiple conventions under yep. the same name that yep. have been like you know, liquidated, liquidated, liquidated. Because 
like that would be a red flag for me. Yeah, red flag there. Imagine like every, every year, like they just fuck the convention over every year, like and nobody, everybody loses their money. Yeah, I think so. with the industry being so small, you'd you'd hear about that pretty quick after a couple of years. You'd you know they'd, the people would be up in arms about that sort of thing. So well, yeah, people on YouTube would make videos about it. Yeah, people on YouTube would make videos about it. Of course they would. And then then you'd know all about it. So <laughs> I don't think you can be entirely sure that it's definitely going to run. Um, even if you do book it, because shit does happen in the world. Things like pandemics come out of nowhere, you know, yeah. um, and there are, you know, the, you can have problems. Um, venues burn down. Like the other day, you know, Jason, he's, like, I, I felt so bad for him. He's had a really rough few years trying to keep this guitar show going. He's run the event this year. It was absolutely brilliant, rammed full of people. I woke up the other morning uh, to find out that the the venue where it's at, which is the Bingley Hall in Birmingham, the fucking roof burnt down. Roof, uh, like the, I don't know how much damage it's done to the building. So now he's scrambling, mm. trying to work out, will they have it rebuilt in time for him to run his show or will he have to put it in another venue? Does will he, he move, move? Does he yeah. move the venue for good? Does he move for one year and put it back? And it's, man, that's some stressful shit to have to do. So stuff like that does happen, you know, um, and I don't think you can plan for that. Um, I think protecting your deposit is a great idea and any money that you pay over, you know, paying it through a system where you've got some kind of financial protection like credit cards and PayPal is a really good idea. I make a check how long... You know, there's a few conventions that have gone under very recently and I do think it's just COVID that's, um, that's affected them. You know, I think like, I think Aberdeen went, I think Dundee went, I think prior to the COVID thing, there was a, a show that happened in Ireland that that ended up not happening. I know a lot of American artists got affected by oh, that. Oh, yeah. You I don't think cinema. that one was a COVID one, but I, 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 I don't know for certain, but I do think Aberdeen and Dundee were, were affected by that. Uh, if they're not, I'm not throwing shade at either of those conventions. I, you know, I don't know the full details, but I know that they used to run them and then and now they're not, and that's happened in the last couple of years. It's just, it's a shit situation to find yourself in, honestly, isn't it? I think a lot of tattooists don't see themselves as businesses; they see themselves as consumers. And when, in all reality, everything, even if you buy something, right, like say. <clears throat> from if uh, as a tattooist, if you buy something from a a, su- a tattoo supply company, you're not buying something as a consumer, so you're not covered under consumer rights. No, you're buying no. it as a business to business transaction, so it's a completely different yeah fucking kettle of fish. Yeah, and that's the same when it comes to tattoo conventions. It's a business to business transaction. On the other side of that, because you're a business. Like I did with the London Tattoo Convention, I didn't bother going through the solicitor or, or anything like that because I, I I didn't need to, and I didn't I didn't think I would be a you know I didn't think the tattooist would be big enough creditors that anybody would get paid, so I didn't bother. All I did was wrote the money off against my tax bill. So there's that that positive. You can just offset it against your tax bill. And just go, oh, well, that's, you know, that's 500 quid that I don't have to pay on the tax bill this year, you know. So there are there are ways of means of softening the blow a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously if you're if you're just starting out, if you're just starting out, you're probably not going to work conventions, you know, too quickly. So you'll have managed to, you know, got to a point where you establish yourself. But I've just been having this conversation with my last apprentice, Jay, about uh, finances and you know and all that sort of stuff and kind of talking him through yeah. what the mm-hmm. 
you know, what the sauce is when you're a self-employed person, that you do need to have some money in the bank for rainy day money and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. you know, there's no sick pay in what we do. There's no health care. You know, you've got to put that stuff in place yourself. And I personally am very comfortable with it, but I've been doing it since I was about 16 or 17, you see. So I've, you know, only had a job when my kids were little because I needed a regular wage. But, and I guess that's why I've got a bit of an affinity for people that work in live music and, and professional musicians because, you know, that's how I live my life. And I know how sketchy that money was and how patchy it could be. So, you know, when we were talking last week about them, you know, trying to be as tax efficient as uh, as they can be and, and then catching a cold in a pandemic, tax you know. Dodging. It's not dodgy, it's completely legal, you know. It, it's, it's legal, yeah, legal dodging. Well, you get think, you get situations where, and I can never remember which one's which, but there's a term tax avoidance and there's a term tax evasion, evasion right? Yeah. Now, to me, avoidance and evasion means the same thing, but in the eyes of the law, one of those things is illegal and the other one isn't. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. You know, it's a legal thing for me to do, but is it morally right? And I do think some of the examples we've used, I think morally... Um, they've crossed the line for me. Probably not right. It's probably not right morally. Um, I'm sure that... Legally, it's fine, though. I'm sure legally, it's fine, you know. This is one of my mates, right? He used to work in private security out in Iraq and other places like that. And um, it was that thing of, like, because he worked outside of the UK for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Say, for example, like, if... I don't know how, how what, what the actual time scale is, but he'd be like... He'd finish his job and he'd be like, oh, shit, I need to stay out of the UK for, like, another three weeks. Yeah. And then I don't have to pay tax. And he'd do it every year, all the time. He'd be like, what are you doing, this, uh, what are you doing next week? And he's like, I've finished work, but I've got to go on holidays now for two weeks or three weeks. I've got a mate who did the did that same job, working private security out in, uh, I think he was in Afghanistan. Mm. He got caught with that. He reached his limit of days that he could be in the UK, so he wasn't allowed to be in the UK. So he was doing the same thing. He was getting a flight to, I think he was flying to like Ireland or maybe Amsterdam or something like that. Yeah. And his plane got rerouted through, and he had to land in England. And because he was in the country for like three hours, cost him 90 grand. <laughs> That's why you... Private security people, they earn a brutal amount of money. Oh, so the tax wild. bracket that they're in is crazy. So he was in the country for three hours and paid a fortune, most expensive state he'd had. And he didn't know at the time, so he still went off and spent his, you know, over many weeks, he got to stay at the country, come back, and he got the bill anyway. He could have just gone, well, I might as well drive home from here. Fuck. Oh. What I don't want these last couple of episodes to um, to do is put you off conventions. No, conventions are um, fun. I know that, you know, Chris was, yeah, well, Chris was saying last week that, you know, Nipper, who you've just seen, uh, hasn't worked any conventions for a long time. He's still got a full diary and all that sort of stuff. So you might be inclined to go, oh, do I really need to do them? My take on it is entirely different. I love tattoo conventions. I've done a lot of them. I've had a lot of fun. I've met a lot of really good friends. I've yeah. had some, you know, I've done some fucking dreadful conventions as well. But um, you will, if you do, if you're doing 25 conventions a year like I was, you will do the odd one that you go, why am I in a garden centre in Luxembourg? What's going <laughs> on here? You know, what's happening? Right, the true story, right? Don't let this stuff put you off no. the com the conventions seen and working them and they're still to me they're still a really not only just good fun right but they're they're still a really big part 
of promoting yourself as a tattooist, you know. And like I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago about the changes of social media and how you need to stay on top of that, you know, getting out there and putting your work in front of the people. You know, everybody who's walking around there, or you know, average convention attendance, about 6,000 people, everybody there, it's like sending a direct mail to those people. They're going to see your booth. And while I think about it, don't be one of these tattoo people at conventions, you know these? You know, sitting in the corner of the booth, away from everybody, like, what, what, what? Oh, I'm too busy, like that, you know. Be forward-facing, speak to the people, you know. They're not going to bite you, you know what I mean? Okay, so, <clears throat> tattoo conventions, right? If you are uh, fairly new in your career, or even if you've been tattooing for years, and you are considering branching out to do tattoo conventions, what are your top five tattoo shows in the UK that you would recommend for somebody that is just starting out and wants to kind of get their name out there? Um, oh, put him on the fucking spot now, haven't I? My top five. I can definitely do my, uh, my top All right, I tell three. You what, top, top three UK ones and top two European ones. Okay, top, top three then. Um, in number one spot would be Brighton because, uh, and the, my, my number one uh, and number three spots uh, are only because of the longevity of the convention. Brighton is really well run. It's very artist-centric. The artists are looked, looked after brilliantly. It's for the, uh, the longest time. I think it's the closest competitor to the old London show. Mm. It's the logical successor to that show, I think. It's run with the same kind of vibe. I know Woody used to work with Mickey, and a lot of the way that show was run has been adopted uh, you know, by Woody because it, it's a good format. So Brighton would be my number one. If you can get into it, and you will struggle because it's a really small show, one of the shows that I absolutely fucking love doing, but I, I, I can never get back in it because there's so few booths, is Edinburgh. I love the Edinburgh Tattoo Convention. It's an absolute scream. It's so fun, but it's a re there's only about 150 artists, I think. But Edinburgh would be my next one. Just get on the waiting list and keep eating up Jimmy and seeing what you can do. And... Um, and then third would be the London show that's just gone. Yeah. And it's only third because it's its first year and we won't really be able to say if it's, you know, top spot in the UK until it's run for a few yeah. years. But based on its first year, I think it's worthy of being in third place because I do think the promise of that convention is that it will be something special. And, and so they're my top three. Uh, top two in Europe, my absolute number one favourite European convention... No, I always get it wrong. I get the country. It's uh, <laughs> Brussels in Belgium. Because I always go Belgium in Brussels. And it's like, no, Belgium's the country. So it's uh, the Brussels show, which is generally in about sometime in November, right? So you will be dragging your shit through the snow sometimes. And then other years, it's glorious sunshine. I absolutely love that show. It's unlike any other tattoo convention that you do. It's, it's fucking nuts. It's in an old flower market in uh, Brussels, it's it's massive and um, so much fun that it's really good. And then, this is a bit of a wild card one for me, but the, my other favourite convention, because I loved the little town that it was in, and, and I, I, I loved that part of the world, was I love San Remo convention mm. in Italy. I know everybody talks about Milan and Florence and Rome and everything, 
but the most fun I've had at a convention and, and, and I've really enjoyed it because of, of the setting and everything was San Remo. I thought San Remo in Italy was a great convention. I probably will go back to. The only problem with San Remo, for us flying in, it's a bit of a bastard to get to because it's between two big airports and it doesn't matter which one you're landing, if you can't get public transport there, it's like a $200 cab ride. <laughs> so it's a bit... So it's like go with a few artists and all chip in for the cab, and it makes it a little bit easier to do, Oof, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one. There's a lot in Europe, actually. To be honest with you, you know, the Belgian uh, the Belgian convention is really good, but I mean, Berlin's a, a really great convention. Um, Milan's a really great convention. Rome is a fucking great convention. Florence is a beautiful place and a beautiful convention. There's, I mean, spoiled for choice, really. And I'm sure there's a lot more you know, really great UK conventions, but like weirdly, I suppose not weirdly, weirdly given the style that I do, you know, I've got more experience of European conventions than English ones because in all honesty, I wasn't made to feel that welcome at English conventions. That's because he used to have his back facing everybody and tucked himself in the corner. Yeah, my headphones <laughs> on and me other. <laughs> With fuck off, I'm yeah. busy printing on the back of me other. No, I just, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't made to feel particularly welcome so I, I tend to go to the conventions because the organisers reached out to me and were very good to me and so that's that kind of is that I think you know in its day uh, Doncaster oh, was, was good I don't, it doesn't run well, anymore the, the but the Earl, ta- tattoo jam in Doncaster, the, Doncaster was a good show of, remember the hotel the Earl of Doncaster the Earl Back of Doncaster right. the, yeah. there's a story that we can tell you about the Earl of Doncaster that is not for YouTube when we're at a convention next year because we're going to be at five come and ask Chris to tell you the Earl of Doncaster story uh, just, just say can you tell me about Doncaster and the Pikachu onesie I'll tell you the story my story about the Brussels convention which I can't tell on yeah. this show Ooh, there was uh, a couple of a couple of events at Brussels that were legendary with conventions I think it depends what you want to achieve from a show so like say for example like if you want to go to a convention to be like a well-known famous tattooist then you, you want to be going to all these big shows and get the right people to know who you are and become into the famous and shit like that but then i think if you want to go to conventions to just make money and then potentially get actual a return on your investment of going to shows i think it would just be a case of like depending on where you are located have a look at what the local shows are to you because then, like, you know, if you say, for example, an 80-mile radius, have a look at conventions. Like, 80 miles is a, a decent distance for people to travel, you know. So, like, that's another thing. Like, go to small independent shows that are closer to you where you, you're probably going to likely get a couple of people coming to you from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's a really, really good idea if that's your business model. Mine, uh, personally, I was never that bothered about tattooing actually tattooing at the convention I was more interested in being there having a, a booth putting my stall out and promoting my, my work to people as they were going past you know I, I I worked and tattooed at most of them but it took me a little while to figure out that it's actually to for me personally it was always more beneficial to not be tattooing somebody or be tattooing a mate so I can just stop and have a 20 minute chat with yeah. somebody and my mate, you know, I'd wrap him, wrap him up, and he'd just wander off and go and have a coffee and That's a right, cigarette or whatever. And I could, you know, I could speak to people. And um, 
and then if we didn't get it finished, we just finish it in. I just finish it in the shop for him for free. Um, that always worked better for me because being at the show, people would want to talk to you. Um, because I did do exactly what you're on about. I did work all these big international conventions all over the world and I did meet all the right people and I did share all my work and I was a little bit insta-famous for five minutes, you know. And um, and people would want to talk to you about your tattoos and all that sort of stuff. So if you're sitting in your booth, you know, just absolutely smashing it, trying to, you know, enter an award or get a thing finished in time for the clients and stuff, it's not really conducive to more business which is what you're there for is to show everybody basically what you're there for is to go look at what I can do would everybody like to book in with me today and I'll tattoo you the next time I'm here and things like that you know so it depends how you look at it I always look at them as as promotional things more than I'm going to go and do a load of tattoos I know a lot of tattoos go there to win some awards because it's a great way of raising your profile and uh, if you're into that you can do it and so with that that's uh, a two-parter on conventions. I uh, yeah. hope this has been enlightening, helped you out. I uh, hope we haven't put you off. Go and work them. They're a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of fun protect anyway. Protect yourself. Uh, just, yeah, just protect your money and uh, do a little bit of research into the convention. And so with that, I've been Paul. I've been Chris. And uh, enjoy your And this Sunday has been dinner. That Tattoo Show. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to like, subscribe, Hit comment, you know, all that sort of button. stuff. Big shout out to the Spotify listeners because we do appreciate you. And I'm going to go now. And a big, uh, a big thank you to you for watching and being and with us sponsors. every Sunday morning. If you ain't there, then there ain't no show, right? And our sponsors. I was getting to the sponsors. It's just you was talking in my ear. I'm trying to finish the last line of dialogue. And, and as ever, because we always forget. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, so thanks to you to Rob at Electrum Supply and thank you James at Raw Pigments. Woo. Thanks guys. Ta. We'll see you next time. Take care. Ta. Ta.